Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Bhutang dhammang sanghang namasami One of those simple questions that comes up in meditation is, what do you do with pain, physical pain? You know, and pain in your knees, pain in your back, so on. A kind of simple answer is to try to get as comfortable as possible when you when you do your sitting. Um, you know, and actually, when you, when you just study that, you begin to recognise well, getting as comfortable as possible. If you're going to sit somewhere for a you know, an hour, then getting as comfortable as possible to maintain a sitting for an hour isn't really going to be a slouch because slouch after a few minutes gets uncomfortable. You kind of, you know, your body goes out of kilter. You start to get pain in the areas that you're leaning on, like if you're slumped, slouched, and you get pain in your neck or pain in your back. So you recognise the best way to sit is to actually try to sit where you find some balance. So you know you, you sit so you use your spine. You you can orient around your spine. So if your spine is as balanced as possible, then most of the weight of the body can be transferred down into the ground so you're not carrying the weight you just kind of find that way which you angle angle your head straight above your pelvis you know or in line with how the spine operates so that the weight of the body comes straight down and you're not uh, hunched in your shoulders then it helps you to strengthen also the, the musculature of the lower back which is really important because you get that right that's like a support and then the rest of the spine kind of comes above that and and then you begin to see how you can kind of rearrange your body your body kind of develops over years of doing that so that the body learns you know learns how to becomes more flexible you know and your shoulders can straighten up and you learn how to work on a subtler holding in your body around your shoulders, your chest, and your belly, when there's tightness. And you really begin to see how these things cause you, oh, so it's so much pain, as tension. And you feel the discomfort of tension, just holding yourself and propping yourself and leaning on yourself, or discomfort of just not being, having bits of your body aren't really awake. You know, they kind of just closed down. Well, it's closed down, this energy doesn't circulate, so you get this kind of stale, stagnant state. So you do quite a lot in just getting, getting your body comfortable, you know, because it, at first it's a simple enough concept, but actually as you, as you sit up for a period, long periods of time, particularly over months or years in developing a practice, you begin to see the different levels of what you might find is actually painful, directly stabbingly painful to what is just uncomfortable 
what actually limits the the the, the vitality of the body. Yeah. So you, you kind of, when your body's limited vitality, and you're sitting here for an hour or so, it's get really drab and flat, and then you, that really affects your mental tone. And then you try to do with your legs whatever you can to just kind of get them, you know, stretch them and so forth to just get them to support your spine. And as you, as you, when you start to practice, really you don't want to make these things too crucial, but to just work at it and see how you can gradually stretch and understand your body. And then you begin to actually just get to know pain and discomfort, what they are. You know, these are big issues in our lives, actually. You know, so obviously if you, you don't want to start off with these big issues at first, you want to kind of get so it's manageable. Then sooner or later you've got to meet some of these, these, these bigger topics because pain and discomfort has got a physical side, there's also an emotional side to it. It isn't stuff, you, isn't really something you get away from. It gets you in the end, sooner or later, somewhere. And <laughs> so, you know, you, you just have to study it. Because in a way, this is exactly the kind of entry into, into the Four Noble Truths. And the Buddha's dukkha, suffering, stress, pain, trouble, turmoil, discomfort, dis-ease, and the origin of that, and the ceasing of that, and the path, and how it's through that particular doorway of, of discomfort that, that you have to walk through that doorway to, to realize something that's more than just not, more than just um, comfortable, but actually, you know, liberated from the pain, pleasure, um, Syndrome. It's through that, that doorway of, of um, the disagreeable or the stressful that we have to pass. And physical pain is one way of just beginning to contemplate one's mental responses, emotional responses to that. And seeing how well, okay, when you still, you can, as you get more, as you begin to develop a bit more agility and strength of mind. You know, mindfulness and concentration and investigation and kindness and just working your attitudes. All these things that do with the mind. Your mind isn't forced or trying to prove something or, or continually uh, breaking up when there's some stress. You've got some fortitude but also some, some gentle persistence and some inquiry. Then as that builds up, then you do a little bit more. You begin to see, you begin to recognize, well, there's that, that physical sensation. Uh-huh. And as it builds up, we can kind of, hmm, how am I with that, you know? Do I start getting flustered, panicked, <coughs> despairing, gloomy? Do I feel impatient and hostile? And also, just how your, you know, your, your emotional response to these things, and also how you, you can't even... even um, Handle pain, mm. discomfort. Yeah. We can feel out some of sometimes it shouldn't be here. It's not fair. We're outraged by it, or just 
you know, defeated, resigned to it. And these these mental tones are, in, are things that just are inadequate, inadequate response. And they sort of these mental tones, and you begin to realize you just use as purifying one's mental attitudes towards discomfort. So you're not just, oh well, what can you do? Stuck with this. That's 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 something you add, isn't it? That's not there's nothing clear about that. There's definitely a bit of um, attitude there, or you've got to stick this out no matter what. That's another one, or you know, getting angry and frustrated, and you say, well, none of this actually works. It just makes more mental stress out of it. And that one thing I could do is actually make less mental stress out of it. That's something I could actually work on. Yeah, so you begin to see what's the bit that you can do something about. And maybe it's one's attitude and one's attention. And see, what, hmm? what if I actually move towards this and investigate, just out of in- inquiry? Toward, hmm? One thing I found helps is when you is visualizing it because there's something about that that puts it into a slightly different um, category and when you feel pain there's such an immediate reflex because the tactile bodily sense is immediately wired on a reflex level to, to to the emotional thing so you touch something hot your body just snaps away from it on a feeling level just because physical feeling physical sense immediately gets a mental emotional response but if you deliberately visualize see the visual sense doesn't do the same thing the visual sense doesn't have any feeling with it it's just see, seeing any feeling that you have is your mind or your heart or your interpretation of that sight so if you I used to actually practice visualizing a pain in the body, like what did it look like? So it's a kind of a, a slight sidestep. You could see these lines, jagged lines, or sometimes something feeling like a crushing quality or a fire. And just contemplate looking at it. Yeah. So there's just that little bit of of uh, movement away from the really reactive place where just the mind just you know freezes and just goes very hard and tight, or, or, or tra- he was trapped. So I said, well, I can actually, at least what I could do is not feel trapped. You know, I could, I could in a way, bring, let the mind bring forth its imaginative energy and work with it, and that would at least be a little bit freer than just feeling uh, uh, defeated and resigned and trapped. And that also... Is able to see well. Actually, this pain is occurring in this particular part of my body. It's not occurring everywhere, so you can actually begin to sense. Oh yeah, actually, my left shoulder is really okay, or my ears are fine right now. You know, so you, again, so the, that kind of mental willingness and investigation of mindfulness you begin to contemplate where the pain isn't. And you rest your attention there, and it gives it another kind of um, vantage point, which you can contemplate pain. So that's if you really 
want to work with it. And once you begin to see that, yeah, you can you can work with it, and um, then one kind of um, approaches the whole topic from a little more sense of inquiry rather than um, you know a campaign of some kind, just to see how you can to shift the tensions and the mental stuff that occurs around it through skillful use of attention and attitude. It's, kind of, it's important because actually there's quite a lot in that that you learn. You know. about the mind the mind is very effective it's affected by everything touched by everything but it's not only effective it has this effective being affected and responded responding, it has that quality to it but that's not all It, it also has a sense of being able to just be aware so when there's a lot of um, strong feeling that what comes to the fore is the effective qualities of the mind when it's painful or pleasant then what really becomes apparent is well that's really great or that's terrible you know that particular aspect of the mind becomes the strongest aspect becomes the thing that really comes to the fore um and awareness is something is another level of mind which is different. It doesn't it doesn't have this same feeling quality to it. It's weightless. It's kind of doesn't move. It still it doesn't move. It's not about movement. And you start to acknowledge that the recognizing how some of the habitual movements of the mind are kind of when we experience the unpleasant our mind just starts banging around when we experience the pleasant the mind starts jumping up and down <laughs> you know as you begin to kind of work with that you think, oh, yeah actually there can be the pleasant but not the jumping up and down there can be the painful but not the the the, the banging around you know it's just that just a little bit you know difference between the physical or the sensation, the feeling of, of pain or even pleasure, and what the mind, how the mind operates. It doesn't just have to be that particular operation. And it's not because it's thinking either. You know, it's not mind isn't a thinker, it's this sense of awareness. And you, that means you've got a little bit of choice around what happens when pain or pleasure comes to you a little bit of choice it's that little bit of choice that is the indication of there's a way there's a way past or out of this particular syndrome the pleasure pain syndrome because of course actually pleasure as you develop the mind pleasure also is problematic in that it tends to throw one 
off kilter, out of kilter. We exaggerate. You know, the mind exaggerates the pleasurability of something. It it runs for it. It, it gets excited by it. It uh, grabs it. It wants to hold it. Hmm. It tries to retain it. It gets disappointed when it disappears. It fantasizes about it. Imagines more of it. Um, if we're not having pleasure, the mind weaves pleasure. It generates ideas, dreams, fantasies. You get a little bit of pleasure and it wants a bit more. Something, you know, one part of your system is experiencing pleasure, you know, and then it becomes a global sense where you get overwhelmed with it. So we easily, um, the mind easily picks up pleasure or pain which is actually, you know, on a physical level quite finite and blows them into total pictures that the mind just kind of bangs around in its effective sense, just vibrating and getting excited or getting agitated by. And uh, the sense of real awareness um, disappears or it becomes obscured by all this movement. But for an un, when the mind isn't developed, all we can really know is, well, there's either pain or pleasure. I'd sooner have pleasure than pain, obviously. So, you know, you start to talk about pleasure being dukkha, and you sound like some miserable old, you know, Scrooge or puritanical thing. There's a moral issue here. It's not at all. So the first thing you work with just is the pain, the discomfort, and you begin to sense that even the, the kind of hungering after the pleasant is mentally uncomfortable. You begin to sense the mental discomfort in excitement, agitation, craving, nostalgia, wanting more, hanging on. There's a kind of contraction of the mind that occurs around these strong feelings, the, the effective sense itself is um, of limited benefit. You know, yeah, you know, it's the way it is, but there it is. It's what we've, we've built with this stuff, there it is. But it's limit, it has limitations. You know, you consider how getting moved by things, like sometimes we want to get moved by wonderful things, you know. Yeah, but it's better to be moved by wonderful things by dreadful than by dreadful things, sure, you know. But finally, he's getting moved that good anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, a champagne moment, you know. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's much better than being miserable, but, <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that kind of sense, I think, is only authentic. It's not an attitude, it's just the realization becomes authentic when you begin to, you know, get some sense of, of detachment from the feeling sense in the body and then also in the mind, which is much more, so it's much more difficult because the feelings are so much finer 
gradations of it, you know, slightly happy, really happy, you know, warm, lovingly happy, um, humorously happy, kind of wistfully happy, sort of happy with a slight taint of risk to it, excitedly happy, dangerously happy, (laughs) curiously miserable, (laughs) tenderly nostalgic, you know, these kind of subtle nuances, cocktails of of, uh, emotional pleasure and pain. It's it's a huge topic, and uh, and it's quite a palette there of things that we can experience, you know. And and, uh, it's not, you know, it's like that, isn't it? It's not bad, it's just like that. But also one does realise that that it can be so, so total, you know, so, so physically, not really, it's just okay. Pleasant or pain, it's just sort of okay. But, but on the emotional level, you realize, you know, you, you can be, your mind can just be thinking of terrible things that happened yesterday, five years ago, terrible things that could happen tomorrow, dreadful things, wonderful things, good old times that you've lost, and what happens if so and so isn't here anymore, or, you know, it's kind of, it's just huge universe of different qualities of pleasure and pain that just pops open well it doesn't pop open, it never shuts sometimes, 24 hour <laughs> service of it that you're trawling around through <laughs> think, wow and when, when it's really strong, it's really tiring isn't it, you just get just tired out by all that, all that emotional movement the energy that it burns up, the energy that it uses up. So then, you know, but it's not bad. It's just, uh, it's just that. It's just that. It just, it's kind of unending, and it, 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 uh, it just goes on, swinging around, swinging around. You know. And as, the, as, you do, as you develop meditation, then you begin to sense, yeah, you know, enough, isn't it? Enough of this. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's a kind of intuitive thing that happens, I think. And when I first started meditation, I'd never done any before, and then, then about... 15 minutes or so, just being able to get a sense of, hey, I can watch my mind, sort of. I mean, it's crazy. My mind is completely crazy. So that's not great news, but so I can kind of witness it a little bit. <laughs> and then I did about 10 or 11 days in a monastery. And then I, I cut, took the eight precepts, and then I had to leave the monastery. To, because my visa ran out, I was in Thailand, and I spent two months in Ind- Indonesia. So I thought, wow, while I'm out, I might as well have a look around. And uh, it's going to all these fantastic places. You're supposed to do, do the tourist bit, you know. And I was just looking at them, like looking through a window at something else, thinking, what's that about? Uh-huh. I realised I was on the island of Bali, you know, which is this sort of 
um, a kind of holiday island, particularly for people in Australia. A lot of people in Australia go there because it's quite close. And there's people partying and music and people riding motorbikes up and down on the beach and all these kind of happy things happening. And all I wanted to do was do mindful walking, sit in my hut, and keep the eight precepts. That's the only way I wanted to do, because there's just enough of the rest of it, of, bou- of bouncing around. And it wasn't, it was just like a turning, you know, turning of the mind to enough, enough, done it, been there, enough. <laughs> I didn't, it wasn't like, you know, that. There was somewhere else to go. It was more or less the sense of just enough of that, and uh, and then he's just trying to find out well, what what else is there if it's not that. And in some sense of hmm, there's knowing it, isn't there? There's this sort of stillness of knowing. There's a honesty about it. The kind of truthfulness, uh, yeah, that's it, it's like that. And you're still with that. You feel that moment of just, that's that, leave it alone, that's that. You don't have to have an attitude about it. You don't have to engage with it for or against. It's just that, just leave it alone, you know. You don't have to keep bouncing around with it all. Mm-hmm. So the mind is both, you know, more difficult because it's so much, it's almost global, all the senses of, you know, we control through the past, the future, the fantastic, the imagined, the remembered, the twisted, the totally created, fabricated, the one, the whatever it is. And it is also, you see that just with a shift of attitude, yeah. You can you can change the whole f- the whole feeling tone. Yeah. It just shifts, doesn't it? Sometimes, in you know, particularly in relationship with people, you can find some particular thing somebody's doing really getting on your nerves, and you think this person's a real pain. He or she is just just that's it's just a real pain. They shouldn't be around at all. <laughs> Get off my planet. <laughs> Certainly not in the monastery. You know, I didn't come any pain, pains like that. And then you talk to one of these people and suddenly the whole scenario changes. And you think, that's a really good guy. I just didn't see that. You know, you suddenly see a whole other perspective about, about themselves. You feel compassion for them. Or you feel touched by their, 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 their trying, you know. And this little bit that you saw that became global, you realised it was just a little bit. And there was all kinds of other things there. And suddenly the whole feeling tone changes. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see how, you know, how the, the emotional... 
picture can just keep shifting, shifting, shifting. When you really get to sense how people are, how it is on the emotional level, how much is geared to one's own intolerance or fearfulness or judgmentalness or constrictedness and how much is it because of the karma, you know? Inheritance. You know, particularly you get kind of things that people have had done to them. You can understand them being a little bit weird. You know, one guy here, his mother tried to kill him when he was two and used to beat him up most every day till he was 11. So he was a little bit edgy, as you could imagine. <laughs> not that he's not kind of mellow. You can't understand where people are coming from. Oh, wow. So even if he is edgy, very edgy, you know, still, oh, you know, your mind can kind of move out of that whole mode of interpreting and you can become compassionate. So you you see how, you, you know, the mind has this capacity to actually shift its feeling tones and its emotional energies quite drop of a hat. And that's really interesting as well, to, to see how this whole issue of pleasure and pain, particularly on a mental level, which seems so crucial, is actually a bit of a, on a mental level, is a bit of a mirage, really. You know, it's, and yet when we're in it, it feels so poignant and so real, and one can get so upset or so impassioned and so convinced, and then it changes you. Wow. What was that? Yeah. And you see how much you start to realize how much, you know, one's own mental narrowness is contributing. I keep always, I keep looking for the pain bit. Or I see the pain bit and, you know, the bit annoys me and I kind of keep seeing that bit. I keep looking at it. Look at that, look at that, look at that. You know, and certainly li- living in groups of people, you know, so it doesn't take long before you see the, the little chip or the little beam in somebody else's art, the you know, little flaws in other people's characters, things you don't like or find irritated by, because it's the fit that kind of gets you. Or that, you know, and you go, okay, this is the test, isn't it? <laughs> Right, there's that, yeah, but try to see around the edges of this and see what you're doing. <laughs> see how you, you know, what one's projecting, one's kind of fearfulness or one's righteousness or one's uh, intolerance or one, you know, whatever it is. And, yeah. So it's good stuff, isn't it? And in all of that, working with that, if you begin to sense just by, by, by lessening the, this kind of engagement or this, this being hit by it, by being meshed in it. Also, your mind starts to get broader and broader and wider, more skillful. And it's because of that, there's a whole development of awareness, or the enrichment of this capacity to survey step back, move in close, look at another side, amplify a good, a good feeling, 
you see the positive side of someone, you really focus on that and bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. You know? And the Buddha used an analogy of when you find someone or a situation or a person irritating, and he said it's like you come to a pond and it's all covered with weeds and algae. What you do is you kind of sweep away the weeds and you get a little bit clear so you can get the water out. Yeah. So when you see you know, some, another person or a situation you find disagreeable, this isn't just people, it's sometimes whole setups in, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in one's life. You say, yeah, okay. But just push aside the weeds and the algae and go for the water. Don't keep, pick, don't keep eating the weeds. You know, and you find this in monasteries, of course, because, yeah, you know, there's the disagreeable and the wrong and the run down or whatever it is, you know. And we can kind of see this and forget maybe the the generous or the commitment or the pure or the moral integrity or the compassion that's involved in in these situations, you know. And these are, my mind, these are the things one needs to remember and reflect upon. Because the mind will tend to pick up or get affected by the, the bit that sticks in your, in, your, in your throat. And then it becomes the total picture. And your mind proliferates and you generate huge amounts of suffering, stress around. So you can't see anything else. You can do this. Definitely, definitely. Done it several times. <laughs> Proved it. <laughs> so you've got to come out of that uh, to to a place where you can begin to soften the, the locks. You know these. Lock, these kind of emotional lock that you get stuck in and sometimes that's through beginning to, to even when you get stuck in these things you're just trying to feel how it is in your body you know you feel tight around your throat or shoulders are defended or you feel a whole kind of wall of tension around your, your front of your body or your jaw starts to lock or whatever it is or you feel yourself sagging think, wait a minute let's get just to the body sense of this and see if you can you know, just kind of loosen up a bit here, and uh, so you come to the place where it's not, where the, or you come to the place where you can actually relieve it. So that just as the the mind can be help helpful to take you out of the place of bodily pain, the body can take you out of the place of physical pain. So you learn all these strategies just so that you you get some sense of not being in this this this. Um, uh, this compulsive relationship with pleasure and pain. You know, the compulsion is pl- pain, fight, defend, collapse, struggle, complain. You know, not tighten up. Pain, grab, get a pleasure, grab, get more, get into it. You know, and that's that's the compulsion. And you want to come out of that compulsion, that kind of mind being affected. So you start to find ways to do that on a, on a kind of subtle level. And then, then begin to sense, yeah, in all of that, there's an operation with awareness. You're fully, fully very conscious of what you're doing. 
or fully aware. And what's that awareness about? How do you, you know? Does it feel like anything? No, it doesn't feel like anything particularly. It just feels like a kind of relief from feeling. And that's this uh, a kind of weightlessness to it. And so, you know, why the, when the Buddha taught the Four Noble Truths, he didn't say, well, you know, you, you, there's all this nasty stuff, birth, aging, death, separation from the loved, and this and that and the other, and you can get rid of that, and you can have this. <laughs> there's other thing. He just said, this can be understood. And it can be understood as a bit in which you actually have some say. Without consciousness knowing it, you're contributing to that. And it's the craving. It's this compulsive reflex around feeling. Get more, get more, get less, get less. That kind of tanha. It's a, it's a knee-jerk that happens around pain and pleasure. That's the little bit you've got some say over. You can, you can, you can affect that reflex. You just do that. Just start to work with that reflex. That, yeah. And this, you work more and more and more with that reflex, until that reflex starts to soften and give up. Said, so then that's it. <laughs> So, yeah, what, what next? And no, no, you do that. You do that. You'll see what I mean. Because yeah. it isn't like something else that you get. It's just like, there's no weight there. There's no pressure. There's no push. There's no, ah, oh, got it. There's none of that. It's just like, that's why it's, he said this is difficult. It's subtle to perceive because it's rather like, when you're in balance, real balance is the sense that there's no, there's no pressures one way or another. That's how you know it. When you're out of balance and you can feel kind of weight on one side or another side, or it's like tension, having to hold things up. It's the elimination of tension and the elimination of weight and pressure. And at first the mind doesn't really track that because it's the absence. Yeah, of something. You don't really track it. It's there all the time, but normally it's sort of like the stars in the daytime. You don't see them because there's all this great blazing sun of feelings going on. Yeah, or, or these huge storms of movement. You know, got to do this, got to do that, so forth, rushing around. So it's a subtle... Thing. And you, you come to it through awareness, because awareness is what shifts out of the involvement, you know, attitude, reaction to pleasure and pain. So you, you know, you can be, all, so the, this um, cessation of dukkha is also recognized as the kind of arising with the full blossoming of awareness. Mm. Well, this isn't a thing. Mm. 
and it's sensed that it's um, not binding, not being tangled up, no pressure, no weight, Nibbāna. Mm. So it's not pleasure, but it's not painful, it's the end of that. And of course, uh, the, I think what's so characteristic of that particular presentation is it's so, you know, the Buddha is such a pr- pragmatist. He doesn't present really in any ideal or even truth as some ideal. He says, just be absolutely honest. It's not about ultimate truth, it's about absolute honesty. You begin to see some of these very basic non-religious, non-cultural, nothing mystical about pain. (laughs) This is not just some kind of religious or Gnostic experience. This is, you know, the basic stuff that people all their lives are are operating around. He said, this is, you know, doesn't it interest you to have to, you know, realize this very stuff. This is what you work with. And particularly as you get the sense, this isn't just physical, it's also kind of emotional. And the textures of that, the regret, the, the worry, the doubt, the um, sense of bereavement, the, um, the irritation, the anger, the, you know, the, self, uh, the self-denigration that occurs, all of this stuff. So then, you know, it's, it can be immensely complex on the mental and emotional, psychological level. So complex, you think, oh, wow, I've got to do all this stuff I've got to do, you know? Jeez, he's got attitudes around this. I've got definite things going with those kinds of people. I've got funny feelings about them, prejudices here. And it, you know, but actually, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are the leaves of the tree. And uh, what you want to do is get to the root. You can pick these leaves off. Yeah, you can go and pick your leaves off the tree. But you want to get to the root first. You just do that. Then the whole thing comes down. And you got then when it's down, you can start picking the leaves off. Because it's not going to keep growing anymore. You can sort out some of these kind of relative issues that we have around people's behavior and so forth. When one is no longer in a pressurized you know place with it all we're no longer pushed against the wall by it we're no longer reacting to it yeah then you can start to sort out the details of um of um how we your behavior and conventions and society and so forth that's the clearest place so these are really uh um Something you begin to learn from studying your own body, mind, feeling as it happens. Amen. Hey,